This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types, superheroes and those seeking to become. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show, where I seek to elevate people so that together we can reach new heights. This episode features Cora Harrington, the lingerie addict. Uh, the lingerie addict is a blog and website that Cora created back in uh, 2008. Um, it has become a full-time, very successful blog, um, very successful website. She also wrote a book called An Intimate Detail. Um, check that out. That's available everywhere. It's on the site. Um, you can find links to to the website, thelaundryaddict.com, um, the Instagram and Twitter and the show notes. And I highly recommend you listen to this episode because this is pretty much a masterclass on how to start a blog um, and be successful at it. Like I was sitting there taking notes um, in the podcast world. If you're trying to start a podcast, a lot of what she talked about with her experiences running the Lingerie Addict um, was applicable um, to podcasting, to blogging, and kind of any anything you might be trying to start up, like kind of on the entrepreneurial side or creative side. So I highly recommend checking it out. Um, it was an honor to sit down and talk with her. I think you will get a lot of value from listening to this episode. She shared a lot of um, lot of jewels and a lot of things that I'm still kind of sorting through and trying to implement, um, protect that intellectual property. So listen to the episode. Um, I hope it inspires you to create whatever it is that's on your mind. And I hope you take the advice and the wisdom that she shared because uh, she's she's done some really cool things. So it's great to talk to her. And just a funny sidebar, I had actually met Cora before because my wife owns a lingerie store called The Rack Shack. And those two have like know each other and I've met through them. But I didn't articulate very well that that Laura was my wife and how I knew her. Um, so we figured that out in the conversation. But here it is. This is Cora Harrington, the laundry addict. Let's have a conversation. Hello, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. I'm getting a little echo. No, I think I'm good now. Okay. Um, yeah, you can hear me all right, too, on that end? Yeah, I can hear you good. Cool. I forgot to plug in my mic, but I think we'll just go with this, you know? Okay. It's been a whole learning curve with Zoom. It was all in person before, you know. Yeah, yeah, I feel the I feel the same. Why didn't you tell me that you're Laura's husband? Well <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I thought at one point I did say something about Laura, but maybe yeah. No, wait, no, you said you and Laura in conversation regularly. Yeah, I don't, well, okay, then that didn't, I I was like, maybe that's another Laura, but yeah. (laughs) But that's even better, you know? (laughs) Went through the channels. Um, As you can see, I just recently started uh, working with somebody else to help uh, coordinate things. We're still like in the very early processes of it, but I'm super excited about that 
Um, so I can get better light here, maybe. This won't be, uh, it'll just be audio. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I, I, I'm but, not so I dressed see. for for video. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I'm excited to talk to you um, on a number of levels. Um, one being that, you know, the blog that you started, you started that in like 2008, um, mm -hmm. we're able to go full time with it in 2012. So definitely on a personal level, just um, interested to learn about that process um and then kind of what you've done with that platform um and then the moment that we're all in right now figuring out how to use the platforms we have to address current events um kind of how to navigate that you know what i mean because you're in a specific industry and it's funny because when i reached out you were like um i'm not necessarily in theater and this has been pretty theater heavy, definitely this season and probably in general. Um, but this was never supposed to be theater specific. So yes, yeah, mm -hmm. so just kind of interested in talking to you on a number of levels. So yeah, first of all, how are you doing um, right now? I feel a lot more relaxed now. I'm like, oh, well, I know him, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like the same as most other people. How are you doing? Because I know a lot of your industry is basically shut down now and will be for a while, like both theater and restaurant. So how are you doing? I'm doing really good, to be yeah. honest. Um, and something I've been telling people a lot, it's like, uh, in general, like if you're not doing good. I'm gonna um, turn on the fan, hang on just a second. Yeah, no problem. Okay. But like in general, like if you're not doing good, um, mm -hmm. then I, you know, wish things get better for people. Um, if you're feeling down, um, it's okay to feel down, but on the flip side of that, I've run into people who feel guilty for feeling good. And I'm like, you know, it's okay to feel good too. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, yeah, like I, you know, um, I'm sad for the loss, but I'm also optimistic for the future. Um, mm -hmm. I feel, as a lot of people feel, I think that, um, I don't know, the timing of all of this, uh, everybody having to pause, I think is a good thing. Like I think mm -hmm. reflection is good, especially here in New York, everything's go, go, go. Um, you don't get the opportunity to reflect. So for me, um, yeah, I really have taken advantage of that opportunity and luckily was in the right headspace going into mm -hmm. You see, though, I cut my hair, like, in the beginning. Yeah, Laura told me months ago that you cut, what was it? That you did, like, a photo series in the tub and stuff, and you cut your dreads. Yeah, I did, like, a short film, yeah. Yeah, I w that was surprising. Mm -hmm. I mean, was it just time for a change? Yeah, like, and again, like, that's, so for me, it was kind of time for a change anyway. I've been thinking about that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, like, I thought about it around New Year's this year, and then you know, nobody knew how long the quarantine was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of had a feeling at the beginning and like with the restaurant, I, I remember telling my friend Mike, who's an actor and like also does headshots, like, hey man, um, I don't know that my hair is going to make it through this. Like, I think there's going to be some changes. So yeah, and then it happened. Once that's kind of in your head, like a major change like that, like it kind of, kind of have like it kind of 
you're gonna do it you know yeah so. do you miss them uh for sure um like you know it was 12 years mm -hmm. so um it was like to the point where the length of my hair when i would like lie down there were like it would get i would get caught in my own hair mm -hmm. um but i definitely love them i definitely think like that's a part of me but i also felt um it wasn't the first time i had locks it was definitely the longest the first time was more tra uh, traumatic i think because i wasn't really ready um this time i'm kind of having the experience before i kind of knew i i knew i'd go through it after so i was prepared for the morning mm -hmm. and the the regret <laughs> um but after going through that yeah i feel i feel like it was just time to evolve and kind of time to like sacrifice something to see kind of what else could be so mm -hmm. yeah that's how i feel but it'll always be a part of me too and that's that's what i feel like i feel like i that will always be a part of me you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah cool so how about you though how are you how are you doing I'm good. I, I mean, I feel very lucky in that I was already working from home. So there's not mm -hmm. been a change as far as that goes. Um, my husband is right behind me. Our desks are set up together. Nice. He was able to work from home. So that's been nice. Um, it's so funny because last year I was actually thinking about stopping the site and maybe that it was time to go and do something else or find a job somewhere else. And now I'm like, well, I'm glad that didn't happen because I would have definitely been fired by now. So it, it's really kind of worked out and um, work is funny enough going better than ever. I think because people just want escapism. Mm -hmm. People want something that has nothing to do with any of this. Um, so work's going really well. And I, I mean, I feel, I feel like really fortunate. Um, health is good. Everything's been fine. So yeah. Are you so all, I, have you all been healthy, staying healthy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, really healthy. I mean, I think, you know, it is important to focus on taking care of your health, um, minding like your mental and physical health. Um, so that's something both of us have been doing during this time, trying mm -hmm. to stay active because uh, it's kind of crazy the difference of commuting to work on a bike. Yeah. Um, and my then, husband's commented on that like the like missing the commute and we both miss the walking around that you just get yeah. all the time here yeah and so like even like in the first few months i was like doing like some like home workout routines mm -hmm. and at first it was good and then started still gaining some weight and i'm fine like I'm, i don't have anything against gaining weight but sort of like in normal times there's mm -hmm. no way that would have happened but like yeah. I wasn't getting the built-in, yeah, the extra walking around. Like, exactly. So. so Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, I'm telling myself, because I think obviously my body has changed as well. I'm like, the goal of pandemic, like, is just to get to the other side. Like, you win pandemic if you get to the other side and don't give it to anybody else and stay. Yeah. There. And like, and everything yeah. else doesn't matter. Like, the goal is just to make it through pandemic. Yeah. So. I feel that. Like, I'm, you know anybody can get anybody can get it that's the mm -hmm. thing um i you know everybody and i think everybody on the other hand thinks that they're the ones that won't get it or won't get the symptoms 
Yeah, I, I had a mild case in March. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I had the loss of taste and smell um, in that. March. Yeah, yeah, so I had the antibodies. But, like, I mean, my perspective on that is, like, you have no idea, like, if you get it, if you're going to have no symptoms or mild symptoms or be laid up on a ventilator or be permanently disabled. Yeah. So why... And I, and I don't see like any rhyme or reason to it. I mean, I'm sure at some point, researchers and scientists will figure out what's happened. But right now it just looks random. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would you risk it? I don't right. understand. And then also, like you said, like passing it to other people. That's, yeah. that's like where I really don't, I don't want to do that. Exactly, you know? exactly. And you have no idea of knowing where you got it or how you got it or anything like that, especially here because the city is so dense. Mm-hmm. So are people still obeying mask guidelines where you are? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, all of our, you can't go into stores without them. You know, I do see people from time to time that are like, will be in a place and somebody has their mask like on their chin like um i have to bite my tongue sometimes or not i don't know like yeah but it's like usually those situations i'm just trying to like like just finish the situation quickly yeah yeah um i mean here the security guards have been real good about telling people to pull their masks up um I was at the wine shop the other day and somebody tried to go in without a mask and he was like, nah, you, you can't come in. And then there were people walking around with their masks pulled low and they made an announcement. They're like, you need to pull your masks up over your nose and mouth. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that they haven't lifted that yet. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I'm from the South and just kind of looking at what's happening with my friends and my parents and how basically the governors are like, eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Uh, so let me circle back just okay. a little bit. Um, oh, so I tell Laura I said hi. I will. I will. Um, so a year ago, you said you were thinking about stopping. Yeah. Uh, what, like, why were you thinking about it then? Well, so I've been doing my site for 12 years now, and it's mm-hmm. been my full time job for almost 10 years. Um, and in that time, I mean, you've, you've seen it, I'm sure like grow from being like this very small thing I was doing as a hobby kind of on the weekends after like my day job into being like the thing I am known for where like I have a book and I have a Wikipedia page and I have like social media, like my social media platforms and I get interviewed by the New York times. Like there's all this stuff that's associated with it. Um, and I, I don't want to be the laundry addict forever. At some point, I think I'd rather do something else. Um, and I, I also wanted, I think, the stability of like working for, or what I perceive as the stability of working for someone else with all the benefits that entails, like including healthcare and more consistent income and all of that. Um, and I just, I was really feeling like it might be time for me to move on. Um, and then I couldn't get hired anywhere. I, I think, I, I think my resume was perhaps a bit out of sync with the jobs I was applying for because I was having to apply, like basically my resume shows all this stuff I've done on my site. Um, And I wondered, I mean, I have no idea, but I wondered if it made me overqualified for some of the positions I applied for or made people think that, like, why would she come here if she has this own thing she's doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And so nothing happened. 
And by, t- by the time I got to the holiday season, I was like, well, nobody hires. People don't hire so much during the late summer because they're vacationing and they definitely don't hire during the holidays. So I said, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because my site's bringing in money. And uh, like by then the revenue had started to pick up again. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm ready to quit. And then it started making more money. So I said, well, all right, well, I'll just stick with this and try again next year. Mm-hmm. And then next year, this year has happened. <laughs> And there, there has been no applying for other jobs for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's funny how that's just worked out where the fact that I didn't get something else, because I would have had to quit the laundry addict if I'd been hired by someone else. Um, the fact that I wasn't um, has actually worked out for the better. Um, and the, my site is doing, I'm having one of my best years, not as good as the years I was having before the great shadow banning. Of social media, um, but still one of my best years. The great what of social media? The great shadow banning. So when I so um, obviously I've been on the internet like a very long time, um, and there there about four four or five years ago, um, my site was like one of the top one hundred thousand in the world. I was getting like hundreds of thousands of views from all over from Pinterest, social media, all of that, Twitter. Um, and then there was a big crackdown on lingerie on various social sites. And it was very abrupt and very, um, what's the word I was going to say? Very abrupt, obvious, I guess is the word. Um, and I can see it in my own analytics where it's like, <laughs> and I haven't been able to recover that ground. And it's not up to, I think, me posting more, promoting more, like content in general is suppressed because that's also when you saw platforms investing in their own ad infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I think as these platforms have grown and reached out to what we think of as a family-friendly audience, that's also meant, I think, suppressing content, unfortunately, uh, like mine, which is seen as more transgressive. Um, and so my traffic has never and probably will never recover from that depression. But on the other side, I have more revenue streams and funnily enough, my reputation has increased even though that part of my site um, is down. And, and it's just very, I mean, it's this interesting kind of um, dichotomy where I am more well known than I've ever been before, um, but also like my site is getting the least traffic it's ever gotten before. And, and that's made me realize that, and my husband and I talked about this, um, a couple of years ago, because tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of when my book came out. Um, and I remember us talking before it launched and um, kind of in the months and weeks leading up to its release. And my husband was like, you know, this is going to change how, how people perceive you and that you're not going to just be like the lingerie addict. You're going to actually have like a presence as Cora Harrington, like the author and the lingerie expert. Um, and I've really seen that transition happen where people are aware of my site and they know I do it. Um, but there's been, I think, more and more investment in Cora Harrington, the brand, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like kind of pulling me apart from the lingerie attic. And so that, I mean, that's the other thing I'm thinking about moving forward. Like, I know I don't want to do TLA forever. So what will I do in the future? Um, and I think a lot of that will build on using the name, my name that I've developed and figuring out, I think, how to do that. Um, it might look like writing more books, which would be really great. I would love to have a book deal before the, before the year is over. Um, it may look like 
uh, having like a, a more robust YouTube channel or maybe eventually having a TV show. Um, but I, I feel like I'm in this kind of in-between spot where I've been doing my site for 12 and a half years now. Um, and I know that there's something more to do and I know that there's a next after this, but I'm not quite sure um, mm -hmm. what that will look like now. And I, and I think that's especially true now um, with so much uncertainty happening where I think it's difficult for a lot of us to kind of imagine beyond the next few months and to make those long-term plans because who knows? I, I mean, I can't even really imagine November and December if that makes sense. I'm like, all right, we're in August. Pretty sure September will arrive, October, Halloween. And then kind of beyond that, I'm just like, I, I have no idea. I'm feeling like I'm very rambling. Beyond that, I have, oh, you're good. Um, I have no idea what's going on. Um, and so it's just a very, it's a very weird an odd place to be where you're feeling good about yourself, good about your business, your business is doing well, um, and very, very lucky in that way, but also like so many people having that complete inability to plan for the future and the stresses involved with that. Um, because I think for all of us, any plans that you made this year have been completely disrupted. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a world, um, cause I get exactly what you're talking about. That's something like, so there's an interesting parallel in, you know, uh, you may be wanting to step away or separate Cora Harrington from the lingerie addict. Mm -hmm. That was like a similar feeling I was having with my hair. Uh -huh. which was sort of like, like I, it's not that I didn't, like like being associated with the hair but i've been over the last like two or three years in particular been kind of going through this pretty major transformation that kind of keeps unfolding um and the last year specifically like with acting feeling like some of the roles that i was going in for I was called in for some of these roles, mm -hmm. um, but they were almost, I was almost auditioning against my own type. Mm -hmm. Meaning I, like they called me in, so definitely I could do it. It's not that I couldn't do it with the hair, mm -hmm. but when I look at like the other people that would call called in, I could even kind of see like, oh, just looking like those people do kind of fit probably how I would even imagine it, mm -hmm. uh, even though I could see myself in that role. Mm -hmm. And so sort of wanting to break out of that. Um, that said, like what has happened during quarantine is like, I've gotten deeper into like playwriting. Um, I've also been doing a lot of acting things. Like it's like not production right now, but there's like a, a short film going to come up pretty soon um there's there have been like a lot of different busy things and then the podcast kind of similar to what you're talking about like it's like weird when I look at like the analytics say one thing but mm -hmm. then reach outs I've been getting from people have been pretty huge mm -hmm. um, and so it's sort of like okay keep this going but then yeah where I'm at right now is kind of like how do I put this all together? How do I go mm -hmm. forward? So I guess my question for you is, um, 
isn't there a way where you can kind of keep pushing Cora Harrington um, going forward and maybe keep the lingerie addict also? I, I think so. I, I am very reluctant to kind of remove that entirely or shut it down entirely. Um, because for one thing, it's very much my calling card. I, if somebody looks me up or they want to hire me for something, including for another book, that's definitely where they're going to look because that's part of my, my online brand, my online persona. Um, like there is no website for Cora Harrington. Like the website is for the laundry addict and, and the site generates its own revenue independently of anything that I do with it. Um, at this point in time, not as much revenue as if I'm involved. Um, but it does have steady revenue and, I mean, that's worth hanging on to. Um, so I, I don't see the site disappearing from the internet. What it might look like is just removing um, any articles that aren't evergreen, um, as we call them, that, that can't like stand the test of time um, so that I don't have content getting out of date. Um, but so the site is still there and a resource for people. Um, or it might look like being hands-off entirely, um, bringing on an editor that's not me, um, and just maybe having one or two steady columnists. I, I feel very fortunate that I have a great team. Um, and so it might just look like me being hands-off and having someone else handling the editing and SEO and maybe another person doing the writing. And then I just check in every once in a while. And I do think I'm almost at a point where I can do that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see me abandoning that. Even I become like Cora Harrington, formerly known as the laundry addict, like that, that would be more likely than, than that just disappearing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I wonder about my social platforms in the future as well, because they're all branded as the laundry addict, which makes sense for my site, um, but there aren't any kind of self-branded platforms for Cora Harrington. And one of the things I thought about is, well, if I want to build my personal brand, I want to build a brand apart from TLA, then what would that look like as well as far as like a public facing brand? And, and that I haven't figured out yet. I don't know if I keep my old profile names and just kind of be like, all right, you guys, I'm leaving. The, I'm not doing so much a laundryatic or if I abandon those and create something new. Um, and I mean, I'm honestly not sure about how to approach that. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I don't see leaving it. And, to, and not just because of the revenue, um, but also because it's been who I am for so long. Yeah. Um, before, before I started, or before I started doing TLA full-time, I worked in nonprofits, and I specifically worked in like crisis management things. Um, so my last job before doing this full-time um, was running a statewide crisis line for victims of violent crime. Um, so like the jobs I used to do were very intense, but they were also, as is true of most nonprofits, not very well paying, which is part of why I transitioned to doing TLA full time. Um, and one of the things running my own site has done is bring me from, I think, an occupation or a wage that was essentially, that essentially had a very low ceiling um, up to a potentially, or to, I won't say an unlimited, you know, wage ceiling because I'm never going to be Jeff Bezos but a much higher <laughs> um, ceiling of kind of my revenue and my potential and my reputation. And it's been such a vital part of my history and so much a part of that growth um, that even kind of on a personal and emotional level, I, I don't see myself wiping out all that hard work and all that time. It would, and also it would be kind of weird. People are like, what did you do before? And I'm the laundry addict. Well, I don't see that anywhere. Like it would just be strange. Yeah. 
Um, I also think you could always, like, it doesn't even have to be formally. You could, you'll always be the founder. You can always Mm -hmm. be the owner. Yeah. Um, you know, there's different, right. Different things, but yeah, good. Cause I, I like that idea. Um, and also, I mean, you like, it's not just the revenue, but it's like, you work so hard to build this thing. So it's like, why not? Why abandon it? Yeah. I mean, I'm really proud of, of what's, of what's happened with my site. Um, when I started it, I started as a stockings addict um, on Blogger or Blogspot a long time ago, um, when there were only maybe a handful of other sites dedicated to lingerie, most of whom are now defunct. Most lingerie blogs that have ever happened are defunct, which might be true of fashion blogging in general. I don't know. Um, and it's been just kind of a very slow brick by brick acquisition of an audience, acquisition of expertise. And seeing that pay off in the last couple of years has been so exciting um, and, and thrilling, honestly, where I see myself reaching these goals, some of them that were never even goals that seemed like they were so far-fetched they would never happen. Um, and some goals that I had that like I've already achieved. And, and that's also, I think, part of the what's next question where you know one of my pipe dreams was writing a book. Well, I've done that. So like, what is the next, like, what is the next dream that isn't going to be a pipe dream, but that seems possible? Um, so, yeah, I feel like a lot of what I'm saying is, I don't know, but I don't. No, no, so. this is, I'm telling you, I think, I think a lot of people will love hearing this. And I have like a lot of questions um, that I think people will be interested in hearing as well. Um, and then I do want to talk about what's next, maybe we'll circle back to that. Uh, but one question I'm thinking about just cause I'm at the very beginnings. Like I just brought one person on recently, um, a few hours a week, but it's something that I knew, um, also because like there are these different things that I'm working on creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just cause in order to take things like next steps. Yeah. Um, there are things that I haven't done with this podcast that I probably won't do unless I bring somebody else on, even just to keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, when did you start bringing other people on? When I started doing TLA full time, I realized that I needed to have more people. Um, and in my case, I brought on a team of writers first. At, at my max, I think I had somewhere, I think I had six writers at my max. It might've been four. I used to have way more writers. Um, but I realized that one, if I wanted to have better content, I needed people who knew more than me and people who weren't me. If I wanted to have more diverse content, I needed people who weren't me. Um, and so, kind of from the time I said, okay, this is a real job and I'm handling this like a job, um, then that means changing certain things. And it wasn't just as far as hiring a team, and that's what we're talking about now. I mean, I got business insurance, I filed my trademarks, um, like that was, all of that I think is part of setting up your business. And you mentioned like accountability. It also helps you be more accountable because like your accountant or your bookkeeper is gonna be like, hey, it's tax time, like, what are you doing? Um, so, and I, and I do think that's something that, I, I mean, I talked to a lot of influencers today because you know, there's this new crop of influencers that are kind of more on Instagram than other platforms. 
and like one of the things that I say, even though I feel like I'm an old fuddy-duddy um, in the influencer space is you have to treat it like a business. Like you have to read your contracts. You have to handle your IP. Like these are all things, preferably you should have some insurance. Um, these are all things that you do as part of running an actual business and you do them as self-protective measures because by the time you actually blow up, if you blow up, it's going to be, it might be too late to, to do all that. I registered as the laundry addict like 10 years ago. Um, if, if I was trying to register my trademark now, I, I don't even know if I could do it because now too many people know about me that somebody would have probably already registered prior to me. Um, so, I mean, I, I think part of also part of building a team this, i'm just like taking down like this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but part of building a team is having writers but just kind of talking out loud part of building a team is also bringing on other professionals like a bookkeeper an accountant an attorney um, i have an ip attorney um not a retainer but one that i get in touch with whenever i need him and i've had an ip attorney also since the very beginning where if somebody's infringing my copyright infringing my trademark and i can't handle it personally where, you know, the person I write to is just like, uh, I don't care. Um, bringing in the weight of an attorney behind you is quite effective for getting people to change their behavior. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was just talking to somebody on Twitter yesterday whose trademarks are in process um, for their brand name. And, and first of all, congratulations. Like, I'm glad she's thinking ahead. Um, but also, and I, I mean, I guess I should tell you this too, if you're going to file here, you should probably file internationally as well. So I'm, my trademarks are filed in the U.S. and my trademarks are also filed in the EU and in Australia, um, which may not be appropriate for where you are right now at this stage of your business. But if you see yourself becoming a global brand in any capacity or becoming a brand that people will know about from other countries, um, then it's also worth handling your trademark in those other countries. Um, because I've definitely had cases where, you know, someone from France or Spain or Australia would try to piggyback on my trademark and be like, well, you don't have it in my country. And I can just be like, but I do. So, um, so I mean, I'm very, I'm, I'm very into how the idea. How did you know to do, how did you know to do that? If you did that? How do you mean? Beginning? Like, how did you know to get your trademark from the beginning? Like, I don't think a lot of people think about that. Um, I, because I saw myself as a brand, like I, I was beginning, so I don't have a business background. I don't have an MBA and, you know, I came from nonprofits. Um, but when I realized that the laundry attic was going to be a brand and it was going to be what I did. Um, and I stumbled on the name, like the laundry attic, just kind of on a lark because I was like, well, I can't be stockings addict anymore. So what am I going to be? And I was like, well, the laundry attic, I think that works pretty well. So why um, could you, oh, so let's back up. So why huh? couldn't you be stocking addict? Um, so I was broadening what I wanted to do first of all, so that it wasn't just stockings and hosiery. Um, but also the, the stockings community is very fetish oriented. And so mm -hmm. if I wanted to not be perceived as a fetish blog, if I wanted to professionalize what I was doing, um, then unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, that means distancing myself from the fetish, fetish oriented communities. Um, and we can talk about that as well, how they're there is a, a fine line that I often have to navigate um, between kind of what I, what I think of as mainstreaming my platform as much as possible so that I can keep getting advertising contracts, so I can keep getting revenue from affiliate um, platforms, 
Um, and what that looks like in practice is very, very much kind of leaning, very, very much desexualizing lingerie, um, very, very much leaning into like the fashion, the culture portion, which also happens to be what I'm most interested in um, and what I feel most comfortable doing online. Um, but it, it does also mean there are certain conversations that TLA avoids um, because we have to stay on one side of that line when it comes to legitimization. Um, so yeah, when I started to realize that like, oh, I, I think I might actually have a brand, even though it was the very early stages, I got in touch with an attorney. I was very lucky that I found an attorney who was a former USPTO attorney, um, which is uh, America's trademark kind of organization, um, who, and who knew exactly how to file my trademark to get it, and who was able to do it for a reasonable price for me. Um, I think he was just very amused with my business. Like I, when I worked with him, I could get in touch about anything and he would be like, like, don't pay me or just pay me for an hour. He's like, I love doing this because like your site just like tickles me. <laughs> like in a, in a very respectful way, but I think he was just very, like very amused with what I did. Um, and right now he's passed me on to a colleague because he's no longer doing, um, having a legal practice. Um, but yeah, we, I, we talked about protecting my IP and then as I started, I also checked my analytics, um, seeing more traffic from France, from Australia, from Spain, from these other countries, thinking like, okay, I need to protect my IP in these other places too, um, so that someone in France doesn't decide to start a lingerie line called the Laundriette. Um, and then once you get your IP, just kind of as an aside, you have to defend it, because the thing about trademarks is, if you have a trademark, but you don't defend it and it becomes a general mark or like used by general in general by people, um, then you kind of cancel your trademark by default. So it's not enough to just file these things. You also have to aggressively defend them. So recently I had to defend my trademark like a, a week ago um, on, on a platform and I actually wrote to the company and I was like, you, you have to take this down. This person is infringing my trademark. There's a potential for brand confusion. Um, particularly since her brand was oriented around more adult material and erotica, um, and mine is, and I said there's a, a strong potential here for brand confusion. Um, that's that's not okay with me. Um, and they actually like had to tell her that she needed to remove Laundry Addict from her brand for that reason. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, protect your IP before you think you need it, because by the time you reach the point where you think you need it you might not be able to get it. Mm -hmm. um, and then another question I have, this is similar. Um, it's different than that though, but I think a lot of people, my listeners, I would guess, uh, there are people I'm sure that are maybe starting podcasts, starting blogs, mm -hmm. um, or there's a lot of um, entertainers and people in entertainment. And I'm actually, kind of have one up. I actually have a plan on how I'm actually going to launch it with a show that I'm developing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's Patreon. Because um, you have one of those. And just I do. curious about how long you've been with them um, and just kind of maybe some insight you might be able to share. Um, so I've been on Patreon three years. One of the things I really want to do is ramp up my Patreon. I just hired an assistant. And I hope she takes some of this work off of my hand so I can do more with my Patreon. Um, but I use it as a place for like exclusive content and for allowing my readers to support me directly. Because even though I, I mainstream my topic very, very hard, 
um, there are still a lot of things I'm seen as ineligible for. For example, I can't be on Google AdSense because Google has categorized my site as adult content. Um, so like that, that particular kind of steady revenue is something that I don't get. And it's something like a lot of bloggers rely on, but I don't have access to it. Um, I can't get YouTube revenue for the same reasons. Um, there are affiliate platforms that have been like, sorry, like we work with too many moms, we work with too many family friendly companies to have someone like you in our platform. They're like, even though we see what you're doing, we work with too many companies that are not going to approve of you being on our platform. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities that I'm just kind of naturally disallowed from. And then there are also a lot of opportunities I don't want to take because it doesn't make sense for me to advertise jewelry on my platform, for example. Like I'm, I'm so targeted that there are also like a lot of other topics I just can't take on the way a more general lifestyle or fashion blogger would. So between those two things, even though I'm doing well, my site is successful, um, I, I think there was also room to allow or to give my readers the opportunities to support me. Oh, and in addition to kind of like being very targeted and being ineligible for a lot of things, um, I also have criteria for advertisers that I accept, not just in terms of having um, the, the appropriate subject matter, having aligned subject matter, um, but also like if it's a scammy company, if it's a fly-by-night company, if it's a company I wouldn't personally buy from, then it's not, a, it's not a company I recommend to my readers. I very much value reader trust. Um, I know that my readers put a lot of faith in me to give them accurate information, accurate impressions to pass them along to good companies. Um, and I take that very seriously because once you lose trust, it's difficult or impossible to get it back. Um, and so it's important to me that if I'm saying to my readers, even like in an advertising context, like, oh, this is a great brand, you should buy from them, give them a try, that they're a brand that I can have faith will do that um, and have faith they will follow through and not a scammy brand. So there's a lot of companies that I also just turn down because I don't feel comfortable recommending them to my readers. I also turn down companies that are homophobic and transphobic um, and have issues like that, like for similar reasons. I, I don't want my trans readers to feel like I'm not an ally with them by accepting advertising dollars from a transphobic company. Um, so there are quite a few moving pieces in terms of who I work with and who I'm able to work with. Have you um, ever and Patreon helps fill in some of those gaps. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to like break ties with like, and without naming any of them? I products? have, I had to recently break ties with a queer phobic company. Um, they were no longer an advertiser. I actually took their ad down uh, two or three years prior because of another incident um, they, they had with someone else. Um, but they made quite a few queerphobic remarks last year. Um, quite a few, honestly, like disrespectful remarks. Um, and so unfortunately they're, I mean, this is very, this is truly unfortunate because they were someone whose products that I liked and would recommend regularly, even though they weren't an advertiser. And now, I can't at all because I, I just can't partner with brands. I mean, I'll, I mean, just even personally, like as a queer woman, why am I, how, how can I partner with a brand that doesn't respect my sexuality? Um, so yeah, there's, that's the most recent example of a company that I've had to part ways with, even though I like their products, even though I recommend it infrequently. Um, but I just, I just can't. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, so then Patreon like fills in some of those gaps. You said you've been yeah. with them for like three years. Um, mm -hmm. what, is there any insight or anything you've gleaned from working with them? Um, um, how was it in the beginning? Yeah. 
Well, so it took a while. It's taken a while to build up an audience. I, I think my ceiling for building an audience there is quite high. Um, what I need to do there is invest more time, which is kind of on me. Um, I, I think it's a great place to just share things with your with your most dedicated fans, with people who really want to support you and keep you online. And, and I'm very transparent. I'm like, all the money that goes into the Patreon literally goes right back into my site. Like it doesn't go into my pockets. It goes into TLA's bank accounts. And that is used to, you know, pay my team. Cause I've been able to keep everybody on my team um, and pay that. I was even able to raise their rates this year. Um, and so being able to do that, being able to, to pay my staff a fair rate, being able to pay um, like my web developer, um, and just also having some money saved and put back because you never know when something's going to happen and you need it. Like I could get sued tomorrow, like who knows? Um, and so just also being able to have um, some cash and reserve and, and the, if, if, some, if, if an emergency happens um, is also very important. So yeah, I, I'm, honest with, I'm honest with my patrons. I'm like, here's where your dollars go. Here's what I'm able to do with them. I need to actually do another post about that so they can know. Um, and in exchange, I give them exclusive content. So exclusive articles, photos. Um, there's a private TLA Instagram that just posted like nine photos to yesterday um, from a shoot I recently did um, for a brand. And the photographer used medium format film camera for some of the photos. And so I posted like the film, the film shots to my Instagram just for patrons. Um, so... I mean, I keep them updated on things like my book proposal um, so they can know. And that's going to be something that the Patreon helps support as well when I have to spend more time writing my book, um, having that revenue come in. Um, so to support the site while I'm working on something else would be very important. Um, I would say if you're worried, go ahead and start. Um, try to think of things you can offer to your patrons. I know a lot of people are joining OnlyFans right now. I don't know anything about OnlyFans. Um, but just also, I think, keep your options open as far as places that you might be able to get revenue from. And, and my, my overarching kind of theme or recommendation would be to diversify your revenue streams. Mm -hmm. So as the bottom falls out, I'm going to drink some tea because my voice is going. So that if the bottom falls out of any one stream, it doesn't wipe out all your revenue. And so, I think that's true across yeah. the board. Like right. So like when the pandemic hit in March, I got really bad and everything had to shut down. The bottom fell out of my advertising. Just like any contracts I had were canceled. Any negotiations that I had were just stopped. Um, and there's nothing like there's nothing to say or to be upset about. Like that was true for everybody. Like anything you wanted to do, need, you have to press the pause button. Um, and things are starting to pick up in that area, but it's going to be a while before they return to what they were. And since I had other revenue streams, that didn't like drop the bottom out of my site. So like for me, I have affiliate sales. Um, I have ad sales. I sell copies of my book, signed copies of my book. Um, I have the Patreon. And so having multiple things going on has very much helped to keep TLA online and keep TLA running even during the midst of the pandemic. I've had my best book sales this year, like by far, um, where people have just been like, great, like, I don't want to read anything serious. Let me get this book about lingerie. <laughs> so what, uh, that's a good question. What is the book kind of, I mean, it's about lingerie, but yeah, yeah what's the, what's it kind of about? Uh, so the name of my book is An Intimate Detail, How to Choose, Wear, and Love Lingerie. 
Um, it's published by 10 Speed Press, which is a part of Penguin Random House. And it's all about uh, like an introduction to lingerie for people who either don't know anything about it at all or who know just a little and want to expand their knowledge. Um, so there are, the, the chapters in the book are about things like, you know, bras, underwear, shapewear, hosiery, how to take care of your lingerie. Um, there are appendixes and tables in the back. So there's like a sister sizing table. Um, there's an international bra size chart because um, I talk about those things in the site. Um, there are also um, kind of uh, an appendixes for special considerations like buying a bra if you're trans feminine or, you know, shopping for a binder if you're trans masculine. Um, just to kind of give people some, some ideas and some tips um, and to also like make people feel more included. One of the things that I wanted is what, no matter who picked up my book, because my book also uses gender neutral language throughout, there's no gendered language. Um, whoever would pick up my book could hopefully find something for them, um, that they could read it without feeling dysphoric, that they could turn to the back and hopefully find something that apply to them and their bodies. Um, that's also part of why the book uses watercolor illustrations, because I didn't want people to look at the garments I was talking about and immediately feel like, oh, well, I can't wear this because I don't look like the model. Like, I can't wear this because I don't look like her, which people do, like, even subconsciously. Like, you look at a photo of a model um, and you're kind of thinking, oh, I want to be them, or like, oh, well, I don't look like them, so I can't. Um, and, and that's why, that's also part of why the book, also watercolor illustrations are just pretty. Um, and then from, from a business perspective, watercolor illustrations also prevent the book from looking dated. Because the thing about photography, I'm sure you know, um, is that there are different photographic styles over the years, there's different kind of technology over the years, and using photos in a book um, is a great way for it to just feel dated after a few years. So kind of all those things together, um, are, are what my book is about. It has a forward by Dita Von Teese, um, which I'm really happy about because she, the fact that she loved my book and wanted to write a forward for it um, means a lot to me. Um, and it's gotten a really good reception. Some people have said it's too basic, um, which I understand. Like if you know a lot about lingerie, then it probably is going to seem pretty basic to you. Uh, but that's the thing about writing a book is you can't, you can't target it to every single person. Right you have to think about who you most want to read it or who is most likely to read it and target them, which by default is going to mean that like other things, other people aren't targeted. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's not, what it's about. Not everything is for everybody. Yeah. Well, and it's such a funny thing kind of in this age of the internet um, where everybody's a critic and you know, everybody has an opinion, which is fine that I think a lot of people are very confused when things don't apply to them specifically. Um, <laughs> and it's a bit like you are one of 7 billion people or however many people on the earth right now. Um, like everything people, everything people make can't apply to you specifically. Like you, that just won't happen. Um, and I see this a lot when talking about bras, for example, um, people get very upset that like they try on a bra and it's not perfect for them and they try on a bra that's not perfect for them and it takes like five or six tries before they find a bra that's perfect for them. And I'm like, that is actually a benefit. Like you don't want everything to be exactly the same because what that looks like in practice is you try on a bra and it doesn't fit and you know in advance nothing else is gonna work for you because everything's the same. Um, 
when I'm talking to people who want that, I'm like, you are assuming that if we have standard fits and standard sizes across all brands, which is difficult for other reasons, like for technical reasons, mm-hmm. um, let's just assume it's possible. Um, you're kind of assuming that that standard fit and that standard size is going to fit you. And if it doesn't, then you're screwed. Um, and so I, I, the same thing about people just kind of default assuming everything should fit them specifically. I think a lot of people don't think that possibility through or think about what that would actually look like. And for almost everyone, it looks like having no options whatsoever. Well, yeah, it makes me also think about flipping it back to our side of like the creative thing and these creating these blogs, podcasts, Mm -hmm. creative endeavors where you said it a few times earlier, where there is an unlimited ceiling and where you were like, maybe not Jeff Bezos, but then it's like, I don't want to be Jeff Bezos. No. Um, And then it's like, there's also like Oprah's, there's also Byron Allen's. Um, I mentioned them because they're more in line with what I would want to be. And for me, honestly, not necessarily even on that level. Like, it's like, there's enough people in the world where you could do something not even close to that level and still be wildly successful um, and happy. So, yeah. Just... I, mean, I mean, truthfully, you, you don't get to be a billionaire and be selfless, just like just putting that, right. that out there. Um, I think being a good person and being a billionaire are completely oppositional because if you were a good person, you wouldn't hoard $200 billion. Mm-hmm. So I'll just, I'll just say that. Um, but I mean, the, the other thing, if we're talking about kind of ceilings and potential is that as you're kind of going up, I believe you should pull other people up along with you. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in a position where you're more visible, then the question becomes also, what can you do to help change the status quo? What can you do Mm -hmm. to, to help change your industry? Um, and so for me, the way I feel I can contribute to that is doing things like having a gender neutral book having a book that very publicly um, gives people access on information like binders um, on my own social platforms, not assuming the gender of people who write to me, um, covering things like binders, gender neutral underwear, um, plus size underwear and so forth on my own site. Um, And then actively working to bring more diverse perspectives to what I do. Um, I have some pending articles that I'm very excited about. Uh, One is about packing um, if you're transmasculine um, another is about buying, um, like, or, like buying custom lingerie if you have a more masculine body. Um, and for me, those are topics that I feel are very important for people to be able to access somewhere um, and kind of why not my site. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so I had an idea, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and this is, have you... So just thinking forward now a little bit, Cora Harrington, have you thought about maybe starting a podcast? I have. There's so much I want to start. And I mean, that's why I brought on an assistant, because just kind of keeping all the plates that I currently have spinning going um, is a job. Like, I don't, I, I could probably, I could hire someone to like to work on my social media, and that would be a job. I could hire someone to edit all my articles. And that would be a job. I can handle someone to look at my analytics and revenue and that would be a job. So there are all these things that I'm doing that on their own, I could have assistants or people I could hire 
And that would be all they do and it would be their job. And so me doing all of that takes up so much time that uh-huh. I haven't been able to invest in other projects. Um, and that's why I brought on an assistant who I'm still ramping up. I just hired her a few weeks ago um, to hopefully take the things that I don't directly have to do off my plate. Because there are certain parts of my brand where I have to be directly involved. Like there is no other Cora Harrington. So there are certain things that like only I can do, but I don't have to do everything. Um, and so what I'm trying to do now is split off the things that I personally don't have to do like maybe like the SEO of my site um, that I can hand off to someone else. Um, but yeah, all, everything right now is what I handle. And I hope when that is less so the case, that means I can do other things like a podcast, um, like a YouTube channel and all mm-hmm. those. I, I also feel, I feel more comfortable writing. I think it's the other thing. I, I'm, it's very easy for me to express exactly what I mean in writing um, and I feel less comfortable doing that with my voice um, and so I think that's also just kind of another insecurity I need to get over because apparently people are like actually your voice is fine like we like listening to you you should do more stuff where you talk um, but I've gotten just so used I think to being behind my computer and writing and expressing myself via writing that I need to get over my discomfort with using other mediums I'm like yeah. that's why Twitter I think is my most like the platform I like most is Twitter for that reason, because I was even getting there and just like, right. Um, and, and I need to, I need to do other things. I want to, I want to work on a TikTok. I was asking my, uh, my followers on Twitter last night, like, what can I do on a TikTok? And they gave me so many ideas. So I need to start doing some of those. Um, I need to go where the youths are um, mm-hmm. and do some things. And, and especially now, I know I'm just rambling. Um, but especially now it's harder because I'm just in like a caftan all day. Like I'm actually wearing a shirt to talk to you. Um, but usually I'm in a caftan um, all day. And I'm like, oh, if I'm going to be on camera, I should probably what wear is something nicer. Huh? What is a caftan? Oh, a caftan is just like a very like long, loose, billowy garment. Um, like you have shoulder seams basically. Or like It's like two parts of cloth essentially that's sewn like um, vertically like to join the parts and then there's like nothing else like there's like no shaping there's no belt it's just straight down they are wildly comfortable um so that's like all i've been wearing for weeks now um unless i have to be on camera and so the other thing i'm just like oh gosh i guess i have to get dressed if i'm going to be on camera but maybe i should just wear a caftan and just be like this is this is me like the person in a caftan literally all day yeah Um, I mean, I think that's an idea, you know? So, yeah, I would like, I would like to do a podcast. I would like to do a video channel. Mm-hmm. I, the, I mean, we keep talking, I think, about potential and ceilings. And I, that's how I know there's so much more potential for my brand because I am acutely aware of the things that I am not doing and that I need to do. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, you're doing pretty good. Like, there's an unlimited ceiling um the flip side not dark but yeah we have we do have limited time period um so we have limited time during the week we have limited time that we're here on this planet Um, yeah well and just kind of going back to what we discussed before darn it and then that it flew out of my head just that quick gosh darn it what was i about to say hang on let me see if if it can come back we were talking about podcasts. We were talking about unlimited ceilings. We were talking about 
we were talking about potential time. Oh, I remember now. The other thing is that I think during this particular moment in history, pandemic, um, it, there, it's also a disincentive to expand too quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing I'm keeping in mind when, when this first started back in March and I was thinking it'd be over in a few months, um, I had certain kind of cash projections for the year. And now that I'm looking out and realizing, nope, no, nope, we're, we're definitely going to be in this until at least the end of the year, probably the beginning of next year. That's also affected how I'm going to use my cash. Um, mm-hmm. Because that means instead of, you know, projecting four months of lean time and then like six months of everything being great, I now have to project like eight to 10 months of lean times. Um, and that's going to affect like for like if I bring like what's what new staff I bring on and what I ask them to do. So I brought on an assistant um, and she's really great. I mean, sorry, they're really great. And I'm excited about um, them taking on some work. But that also means I, I can't, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable like bringing on another person or two because I'm not sure what's going to happen for the rest of the year. Um, I, so I just brought on an assistant too. Yeah, like, yeah, you're having, I feel like we're having to be very conservative this year for that reason. So like one of my writers, um, I want to say she quit. Like she just, she just left because she got a tenure track position. She graduated with her PhD, got a tenure track position. Clearly something like this, she has other stuff she needs to do now. Um, like I'm not gonna replace her for right. that reason because I need to keep my my cash. Um, I need to make sure I have cash reserves and kind of keep my cash flow pretty conservative. Um, so it, it's things like that that also affect um, some of my plans for this year, which were more aggressive. One thing I, I had hoped to do was more editorials because I really love showing. I think a different, more fashionable perspective on lingerie that pulls it away from sexiness that shows that there, there are more stories to tell beyond the boudoir, that there are fantasies of lingerie that don't have to resolve around, revolve around the bedroom. Um, and so I love doing those. And that's been something I've had to essentially cut out of my budget entirely this year um, because I can't afford to spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars, which is what it would work out to be between location, photographer, makeup artist. And if I'm hiring another model, a model, transport, food. I mean, you're looking at minimum a thousand and and depending on like how complicated it is quite a bit more. Um, And and I just can't put that kind of cash into like a one-time thing. Um, And so like things like that are places where there has been a direct impact and a direct effect on what I'm able to do this year. Is there a way to do, I mean, but then is it worth it as I, as I asked that question, but just thinking of a DIY version. Um, the reason I kind of backtrack as I was saying that is that there are things that I'm realizing I need to figure out now. For example, I currently edit the podcast and I've recently had a, had an experience where for whatever reason, it was over zoom, but our two voices were two different levels So then all of a sudden, something that's pretty quick, I was like, I have to go through and edit everything. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but also just thinking at some point, I might want to just pass off um, editing of the podcast, period. Mm -hmm. Just because even though it only takes an hour or so, like it doesn't even, it doesn't take that long, actually. But I would say I have to give myself at least an hour to make sure I do all the things that it might be worth like 
that hour doesn't seem like a lot at first, mm -hmm. but then when you realize if I do two, release two episodes a week, mm -hmm. um, those two hours, that's like the thing about the time mm -hmm. over the course of a year, over the course mm -hmm. of like a couple of months can burn you up. out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I, I have a web developer. I mean, right. could I sit and learn how to code beyond anything very, very basic? I suppose, is that the best use of my time? And if I could just hire somebody who does this every day, all day long. No, it's not the best use of my time. Like I have my web developer, I pay him a retainer. Um, and whenever my site needs updating, backing up, plugins updated, something brand new coded that he can, like he will go in and hard code and create exactly the thing that I want. Like, why would I sit and struggle for right. three or four hours and then have it still look ugly when I can just give him the thing I want him to do and he sits there and clickety clack clack um, and then it's there. So, right. I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely feel that. I mean, the same thing is true for anybody, honestly, that works for me. I have writers who are intimate apparel experts in their own right. So like rather than me sitting down um, and having to write an article on the basics, we're doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one level content this year on TLA um, because as the site has gotten more popular, um, there are a lot of new readers coming in. And so I want to make sure that there's content that's specifically for them for where they are. Um, but rather than me sitting and writing an article on like the international bra size chart or what to do if your bra hurts, why not have one of my writers do that? And honestly do it better than I can um, because that's all she's focusing on is writing a couple of articles a month. Um, and I, I currently pay my columnists uh, 200 an article, I think. Um, and it's worth it because they'll just do the thing that would take me several hours at minimum to do. And for me, that's worth it. Um, and they also, they already know the style for my site. They know the SEO for my site. They know the keywords for my site. So they're able to do everything um, and save me a lot of time. I have a newsletter manager for that reason. Um, I'm wanting to send out more newsletters, build up my newsletter list. I think I have about 10,000 subscribers right now. Um, and like, why would I sit there? And right now she's hard coding my newsletters. I, I said, this is the concept I wanna have. These are the ideas I wanna have. She brought ideas of her own because this is what she does. So she's seen more stuff than I have. So like, why not hire somebody who truthfully can do more than I ever could? Because any newsletter that I'm making is gonna be pretty basic because that's just not what I do every day. Right. Um, where she go, yeah, she's gone in and like, I have this custom template with just, it's beautiful. I could never do it. So like, why not hire somebody um, to do that for me? Right. And, and that's what I see when you're hiring anybody, a consultant, someone to work for you, like what you're actually paying for is that saved time. Like what right. I am paying for are all the hours I don't have to do. And when you think of it that way, like honestly, what you're paying for is a steal because four hours of my time, if I was charging it out as a consultant, would be quite expensive. Um, so if I can pay someone else less than what I would pay, well, less than what someone would pay me for my on time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And like, why would I not do that? So, um, so here's another question and I'm trying to think about how to, okay. So I, I hope that made sense. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, because it's something that I've learned and like, I'm not where you are now by any means. Um, I don't even think I'm where you were in 2012 necessarily. <laughs> um, but what I am realizing is as things grow, like if you, when you have certain goals, 
this is like a big thing, big realization, aha, is like kind of the mo money, mo problems thing is realizing when you have certain goals, like when you get there, usually like there is actually more work, like in order to keep growing and sustaining. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one. But the other thing though that I want to say is, so in the world of like creatives, so let's say like blogs and podcasts, um, you, I would say are successful. I would dare say wildly successful <laughs> in the fact that like a lot of people, there are people compared to like me who like never make it past like one post. You know what I mean? There are people who never get to where I am. And like, I'm still very much at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I, like I'm happy with some recent things, but basically when you started kind of what, what was the beginning like for you? Cause when we had a correspondence, you didn't know who I was or you yeah, didn't realize. I'm sorry. You know who I was. Now oh, I feel no, no, bad about it. No, not at all. Like for me, it, you're Lauren's husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you said something in because I reached out to you and was like, I like, I see what you're doing. I like what you're doing. Um, and you said something which I had recently experienced, which was realizing that you're not creating in the void. Um, I knew that I had a certain amount of like listeners. Um, but then I didn't realize that some of like the very institutions that like I value the most in New York, like arts institutions, like there was somebody from some of these places that were listening um, and that reached out and that meant a lot to me. So just kind of in the beginning, <laughs> anybody who's creating a blog or a podcast, there's going to be feelings. And even as you get like more successful, where you feel like you're creating into the void. Mm -hmm. So how did you keep going? Cause I know like in my first year, it, I was getting a little bit of traction. Mm -hmm. And then I think cause I didn't plan it all the way through. I didn't know how to sustain it in the beginning. Um, I kind of burned out because it felt, even though I got like some offers in the beginning, um, it just, it's easy to burn out even yeah. if you're getting a little bit of traction. So kind of how did you navigate those beginning phases, I guess? I think it helped that I was in my mid-20s and I had comparatively boundless energy and no responsibilities. Um, I think it helped that I didn't know what I was doing. There is, there's, there are a lot of downsides to ignorance um, because you're having, in terms of like running a business, I did have to learn all that from scratch. Um, but the other side of that was that nothing really seemed impossible for me to learn. Um, and so I think that helped. Um, it helped that I, I was getting a lot of what I think of in retrospect, very easy traffic from social platforms. So that was something. Um, and then I could see like visible gains in what I was doing just from sticking at it. And some of that truthfully was a war of attrition. Um, a mm -hmm. war of attrition. I mean, you can win just by outlasting everybody else. Right. Um, and in some cases, I mean, my, I, my content, you know, is good. But <laughs> also um, other people who could have been competitors with me that started around my time or a little after me just aren't around anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they are around, but they don't update regularly or they don't have other columnists or they haven't worked on their SEO. Um, I mean, one of the ways that you can win is just by being there. Um, or one of, one of the, I guess, yeah, one of the ways you can win is just by showing up. Um, and I think kind of all of that together, being one of the first, not the first, I have a problem with people claiming to be the first to do something when they're not. So being one of the first, um, being around the longest, because you can't replace time. Like you just, there's no way to like fast forward 12 years. You just, for there, you weren't. Um, Seeing a lot of platforms and strategies come and go. Um, It's very funny that when I started, newsletters were a big thing. Um, And then they kind of fell out of favor. They weren't fashionable, like people weren't doing them. They were just exclusively going to social media. And now here we are 12 years later and newsletters are once again, a big thing where everybody wants a newsletter. And um, also email sign up. There was a time when people also thought, what? like there was a period of time when newsletters were kind of going out where mm-hmm. um, people thought email wasn't going to be as important because mm-hmm. of social media. And now it's like, no, yeah. no. I mean, I remember um, brands shutting down their sites and like going to Facebook only. Um, I, I was at a panel for bloggers. This was way, way back in Seattle. Um, where it's like a panel for fashion bloggers. I, I don't really so much do that anymore. Um, but in the panel, they recommended like just getting rid of your site and going to Instagram only. Um, and that just doesn't, I mean, and that's something I've said for a long time, even now that you need to have channels that you own outright. Um, you're leasing space on Instagram right. is what you're doing. You're leasing yeah. space on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, and we've seen the pattern with all of these social platforms where anything goes when they first start because they're just trying to get users or trying to get people excited and interested. It's very easy to build a following at first. Um, and then as they become more popular and they're building out their own uh, advertising, that's when you start to see the significant drop off. And we've seen it with every social platform. We've seen it with Facebook, we've seen it with Pinterest, we've seen it with Twitter. We're probably going to see it with TikTok pretty soon, um, where it's easy at first, and then it gets very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also why it's important to build out your own. Pro- also, you can get kicked off of those platforms at any time. Like, they don't owe you anything. Yeah. Um, so, with, but with your own channels, your own things, your own kind of outright, those can't be taken from you, bar very extraordinary circumstances. So, like, my site that I've built, can't be stolen from me my newsletter list i suppose like could hypothetically disappear i should back it up actually um but like that's my newsletter list those are email addresses that i acquired they didn't run through a facebook or an instagram or pinterest first um so i guess if we're also talking recommendations that's another one like we talked about like owning your own ip another part of that is owning your own platforms and not being exclusively dependent, just like you wouldn't be exclusively dependent on any one revenue stream, or you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be exclusively dependent on any one platform for similar reasons. Um, Because I definitely hear about people, they're on Instagram, they think they're doing everything right, and it can just be something like a glitch, and they get accidentally deleted, or maybe their account gets deleted and they don't get to recover it, and all that hard work they've done it for two, three, four years, it's just gone. And they have no other way of reaching those people. Like if your Instagram account disappears, you don't really have another way of getting back to those people. 
-hmm. Whereas if it's your newsletter that you own, you do have a way of getting back to people. So when I did advertising consulting, I, I don't, I don't consult anymore. Um, but when I did, that was something I would tell my advertisers all the time. Like first you want to test all your ads. Um, second, you need to make sure you are directing people to platforms that you own and that you can track. Mm -hmm. uh, so speaking on that, where's the best place for people to keep up with what you're up to? Definitely my site. I'm not updating it as often as I used to because time, as we've talked about. So I'm going to actually go in today and, and upload, um, I mean, edit and publish some articles. Um, but my site, and I would say especially the archives of the site, um, are a really great resource, especially if you're new to lingerie. Um, if you want to follow me on social, I am on Twitter all the time, just writing stuff. So my URL is Twitter. Huh? The, site's, uh, the, oh, sorry. the site is the laundryaddict.com. I mean, I think you just type in laundryaddict.com. They want to also go there. Um, oh, hey, if we're talking about strategies, buy related URLs, not URLs, URLs. Buy um, URLs that are related to your brand. Instead of somebody types in the wrong thing, like laundry addict instead of the laundry addict, they still go to your site. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be my other tip. Um, but you can find me on the laundryaddict.com. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash lingerie underscore addict. You can find me on Instagram, instagram.com slash lingerie addict. Um, you can sign up to my newsletter. Um, there's a sign up bar on my site and you'll get a free chapter of my book um, if you just want to test it out. Um, I'm on Pinterest at the laundry addict, I think also. Um, and I've started using Pinterest a lot more lately um, for inspiration for photo shoots and things. And I've started publishing there again. Um, I think that's everywhere. Yeah. And I'm going to be on TikTok soon. I have a TikTok account that has nothing on it, but I want to be there soon. I also have a YouTube channel that also is much neglected, um, but I have a few videos on there that people might like. But I definitely say for the most, you want Twitter, Instagram, and join my Patreon if you want to help support the work I do. Um, you can start from as little as $2 a month, 50 cents a week, um, and get exclusive content. Um, and if you like, just kind of really want to, if you want to contribute, um, I would say directly to the content or personally to our content, um, our tiers go all the way up to like $500. Um, and then if somebody's in the laundry business or wants to be in the laundry business, um, then the $100 tier is a place where you can get a consultation with me. Um, and I can kind of give you some tips or advice on your lingerie brand. Nice. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about today? Um, I would say there is no such thing as an overnight success for most people, which I know sounds very trite and tropey, but anybody who looks like they've just started has probably been doing what they've been doing for a long time. Um, when my book came out, when my public profile started picking up significantly, there were people who were treating me like I was brand new to this topic and I had to be like, no, no, no. I've been doing this for 10 years. You just weren't around 10 years ago. Like I've been doing this a while. So what you perceive as happening immediately is something that's taken an entire decade to build towards. Um, so I, I think people should keep that in mind. And there's no way to really skip over that time unless you have money and you can jump, you can jump, you can always jump to the head of the line with money. Um, but if you don't have that money, then the other thing you have to invest is sweat equity. And that just looks like a whole lot of work and a whole lot of time. And for much of it, people probably won't really know what you're doing. 
Um, the other part, we talked about this a lot. I'm going to say it again, protect your IP. Um, I see a lot of new bloggers. I won't say a lot. But I've definitely seen some bloggers get dinged by that. Like they build a brand. It's going really well. And then somebody comes, somebody else comes through and files an IP kind of using their brand name. Um, and unless you have the money to hire some legal resources to help you with that, then you've just lost. Um, own your own platforms. I know we talked about that. Very important to reemphasize. Um, and always be willing to learn about your niche. Like I'm still always buying books about laundry. I'm always buying books about fashion. Um, I just bought a book about textiles um, a week or so ago. So I can sit here and learn more about the textiles that go into our garments that go into intimate apparel. Um, so always be willing. I purchased every book about lingerie that's been published. Like I go on eBay and purchase out of print books about lingerie. So always be willing to learn about your niche because the other thing that will set you apart is being an expert is knowing what you're talking about. There is a difference between being an influencer and being an expert and you cannot fake. I mean, I suppose you could, but it is very difficult to fake expertise. And at the end of the day, expertise is what lasts because what makes the most money for me is not my face. It is the expertise that I bring to discussions about this industry. Nice. Uh, do you have any final um, words of wisdom? I don't think so. If you want to be really wise, like follow me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for sitting down with me. Uh, this was a pleasure. Um, I think, I think you, you shared a lot of uh, useful things for people in the creative field. So I'm, I'm glad that you think so. And I'm glad you invited me because I wasn't sure, like I said, coming from a background that's not artistic and not from theater. Um, I wasn't sure how it would fit in here, but um, I'm really glad that you invited me and we had this conversation. Me too. Thank you. Okay. And uh, hopefully, hopefully see you in person soon. Hopefully. You know? Yeah. I, I need to come down there and go to Laura's shop at some point. I can't wait until we can all go out to dinner again. I've yeah. already told Nick that when we can go to restaurants and sit inside, who knows when that will be. And he's taking me out like every night for at least a solid <laughs> week. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Um, and then let me know when this is live so, and I can share out the links to it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. So that was my conversation with Cora Harrington, the founder and owner of The Lingerie Addict, the author of In Intimate Detail. Links are in the show notes. Check them out. Support her Patreon. Order her book. Follow her on social media. And hopefully that inspires you to start a blog or a podcast or some other creative adventure. Um, if, if that's something that appeals to you, it is work. I can tell you from my experience, it's definitely work, but as you see, you can be successful at it. So follow that, protect your intellectual property, but share your idea with the world. Thank you so much for listening to Bushwick Variety Show. If you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, review, and share and send it to somebody else. Um, and also, if you think that there's somebody who should be on this show, reach out. Let me know. You can find me on Instagram as well. Um, you can find me 
out here in these streets, in these Bushwick streets, you know, doing the damn thing. So I hope to see you doing it too. Hope to meet you where you are. And I hope we can collaborate. So keep doing it. The world needs your contribution. We all have something valuable to offer. So what is yours? Thank you for listening. Have a good one. I will talk to you soon. Peace. (laughs) 